In the beginning, Lila thought that this event would change her life, or that it would somehow be more significant for her than to the rest of her friends. It was supposed to be a group activity. She wasn't meant to be singled out. And yet, since that warm night in the middle of nowhere, Lila's life was completely transformed. Everything started with a small group of friends. Three girls, three boys, all in high school, trying to make the most of their time together and find fun and excitement wherever they could, making up their own adventures if there was nothing around that caught their attention. The group lived in Kentucky, a southeastern state, and particularly in an area with two distinct qualities that would define their lives, isolation and superstition. This meant that, no matter where they went, it was all too easy to feel like they were in the middle of nowhere, like unknown pieces of land stretched forever, and empty roads were never-ending. And the superstitions trailed after everyone, from the stories about haunted bathrooms in their schools, to spectral visitors that crawled out of abandoned mines to announce the demise of a family member. And yet, this promise of terror wasn't necessarily a bad thing. For this group of friends, the idea of finding a particularly haunted place was the pinnacle of their entertainment. Perhaps any or all of them should have expected that this macabre source of amusement would soon turn against them. Lila was a part of this group, even if she didn't feel like it at first. Unlike most of her friends, she wasn't born and raised in rural areas, big houses in the middle of nowhere, or even just in the state of Kentucky. Due to her father's job in the medical field, constantly taking up new musicians in different departments of hospitals across the country, Lila spent most of her childhood moving around America. She attended enough schools to lose count of, and she was mostly used to the big cities. She remembered Chicago and Detroit fondly. Nothing prepared her for the culture shock of Kentucky and small-town boredom, gossip, and superstitions. But Lila was carrying something else from childhood with her, although she avoided thinking too much about it, and she certainly didn't even consider it before diving headfirst into that one fateful night that would change her life. Lila had some heavy baggage of her childhood with her. Shadows of her depression clung to her always even when she tried her hardest to ignore it. The scars from her childhood trauma were visible and exposed. She simply didn't expect anyone or anything to be able to detect it at all and use it against her. The night of the event, Lila was staying over at one of her friend's houses. It was a warm night and they were all restless with energy, trying to come up with something interesting to do. Right on time, they received a call from one of the guys. The group agreed at once that it was the perfect night to visit a supposedly haunted church that the guys had visited before and deem their exact brand of entertainment. After weeks of listening to them talk wonders about the eerie place, the ominous vibes and the strange reactions from the people that went with the guys, the girls readily agreed. It would be the three girls and just two of the guys, since one was staying with his girlfriend. The group jumped in the car and started their drive. 
Even the road toward their destination had something darkly magical about it. It was a common sight in Kentucky, but Lila still wasn't used to the haze of driving through those long winding roads at night. Just like some of the sights were genuinely beautiful, parts of it were genuinely unsettling. First, they had to listen to the guys talk again about the terrible place they were all so foolishly eager to visit. The boys insisted it was inhabited by a demon, which took the shape of a little boy, but was undeniably demonic. Next, they had to pass by certain neighbourhoods that looked like nothing if not abandoned. It was past midnight. Everyone was asleep. Every house was in complete darkness. And yet, they all knew. It was strictly forbidden to park in front of any of those houses. The people of the neighbourhood were notoriously hostile against possible intruders. One wrong move, and they would end up getting shot without a single warning. Lila just wanted to get away from there as soon as possible. Eventually, the group reached the top of a hill. It wasn't easy. It was as steep as a roller coaster. But the boys seemed particularly excited about it. They told Lila and the other girls all about the previous time they were there. How one of the girls completely lost her mind and started hysterically crying for no apparent reason. Tensions weren't running high up until that point. It wasn't the group. It wasn't even the girl's fault. It was that cursed hill. However, Lila and her group didn't have such luck, for better or worse. They waited anxiously, but the haunted land wasn't showing its full powers yet. So, somewhat disappointed but still enthusiastic about the night ahead of them, the group returned to the car and down the hill toward their desired location. After a small and unreliable bridge, the car entered an eerie clearing. They could see lights in the distance, grass overgrown everywhere, and an immense church looming over everything else at the back of the property. It was an impressive sight, even from a distance. The church sent chills running down their bodies. It was the most exciting thing any of them had seen in a while. They parked the car on a small concrete slab that faced the church, and they entered the tall grass, braving the possible insects, wild animals, and secrets that could be hiding in there. But it wasn't bad news, or at least not yet. They noticed a car parked right beside them, and the friend they were missing got out quickly and ran toward them. He explained that, while hanging out with his girlfriend, he felt overcome by an overwhelming feeling of unease, and he felt desperate to reach out to them. However, as often happened in that zone of Kentucky, he didn't get any phone service, which only worsened his anxiety. He jumped in his car, and inspired by a feeling he didn't completely understand, he made his way to the haunted church, assuming it was the place where his friends were most likely to meet. So the group was finally complete. Three girls and three boys enter the damned church, and they risk their lives in ways that none of them even imagined. The church was beyond abandoned. It was a complete disaster. 
It was two stories tall. All the windows were busted out, and pretty much every inch of it was covered in dust, spiderwebs, dirt, and dead leaves. There were probably too many rats and cockroaches to count, but what really took them by surprise was the birds. There were a handful of dead birds lying cold on the church floor. As if that wasn't enough to make even the most courageous of them shudder, soon enough they realized just how cold they were. It wasn't a normal cold. It probably wasn't even natural. It was summer, and the world outside was almost blisteringly hot. But the inside of that rotten and abandoned building was absolutely freezing. It was ghostly winter between those walls. The group agreed to split up to cover more ground. The boys moved down to the basement of the church, and the girls stayed on the main floor. There was a small stage at the end, where once upon a time a preacher probably stood. There was a large closet to one side, and on the other side, there were the stairs to the basement. The room was dark and unexplainably cold, and Lila realized with a chill that death was all around them and all over the room. To live where they did, they had to be used to death's presence almost everywhere around them. Their schools used to be military bases during the civil wars. Everywhere around town were reminders of the terrible number of people that once died there. But there was just something different about that church. All at once, Lila started to regret entering that place. Or, at the very least, being so nonchalant about it. Whatever had died there, it was their house. Lila and her friend were invaders. Unknown and unwanted guests. She desperately wished she'd done something different. Asked for permission to enter. Anything at all that would make her feel less like she was in trouble. But it was too late. The girls started doing their best attempt at ghost hunting. It was supposed to be fun, light-hearted, and exciting. It wasn't meant to turn out so badly. At first, it was all about the usual questions. Is there anyone here with us? Can you hear us? What's your name? Who are you? What do you want? But the girls didn't receive a single answer or a sign. It was disappointing, but not unusual. What was truly out of the ordinary was Lila's reaction. Something inside her snapped. She completely lost control, and she felt like she had been taken over by anger. She was upset in a way that she couldn't explain. Bitter words just burst out of her. She accused her friends of lying, of disappointing them, of making up ridiculous stories all for nothing. It was something completely shocking to her friends. As a kid, she might have had a temper, but her reaction was completely unwarranted. All they could guess was that it wasn't Lila's doing at all. In the middle of her outburst, Lila started throwing more reckless questions at the dark, empty room. Where are you? Do something. Are you a coward? Come on, show yourself. Knock on something. Come at me. She yelled and yelled until her genuinely worried friends managed to calm her down. 
Lila was just regaining control of her emotions and her body when they heard it for the first time. Something, or someone, was knocking on the closet in the corner of the room. Everything changed since that moment. The girls instinctively curled up together, protecting themselves and each other with their arms as best as they could. Even if all of them had a strong suspicion that there was really nothing they could do to keep each other safe from the threat knocking on the door. The girls turned to face the closet, and they heard a new sound. It was the very distinct sound of something moving over dead leaves. Something was in there with them, and it was only about to get even stranger. They were shivering, of course, because of the unusual cold and out of pure fear. But then, when they noticed their hair blowing a little, they realized there was a current of wind coming from inside the closet, as if the doors weren't leading to an empty, dirty, forgotten storage, but something much darker. If the movement from inside the closet had unsettled them, what happened next had the potential to completely break them apart. They heard a noise coming from outside the church. Those were footsteps, and not something careful or discreet. That was the undeniable sound of heavy boots stomping on the stairs towards them. Lila and her friends gripped each other tight. They closed their eyes and lowered their heads, and were determined not to look at whatever terror was approaching them. But it was worse than imaginable. The closet started shaking. The knocking on the doors increased, and the rustling of the leaves inside started to sound like a storm, or like a feral beast was trying to escape. The footsteps outside got closer and closer, louder, heavier. It was the sound of an extremely heavy man stomping as loud as he could, and he was moving toward them, directly toward their little group huddled on the dirty ground among the rubble and the dead birds. Suddenly, the wind turned stronger. It was the exact feeling of something fleeing past them, and it nearly knocked them to the ground. The footsteps were well inside the church and running directly toward them. There was no way to hide or pretend it wasn't happening anymore. They had to act, and they had to run for their lives. The girls scrambled to their feet, screaming more desperately than any of them had in their lives before. They burst through the doors toward the basement, careless of the dust and the spiderwebs until they reached the bottom of the stairs and the comfort of their friend's presence. The boys were on their way up because they had heard them screaming, but nothing at all about violent knocks on a wooden closet or heavy footsteps running toward them. Instead, they had their own unexplainable sound in the basement. Although that room was much quieter, and, for this eclectic group, even boring, there was something upsetting them. It was the sound of church music. Without instruments and without people to play, it shouldn't have been possible at all. And yet, all the boys claimed to hear it, as clearly as if the orchestra was playing on their own shoulders. The mood noticeably shifted when the group was reunited again, the inexplicable sound stopped, and eventually, they agreed to leave the church alone and head out and back home. It looked like the end of the story. In fact, 
it should have been the end of the story, but it wasn't. And it wasn't up to Lila or any of her friends. The day after the visit to the church passed by without anything truly remarkable taking place. But the night was a completely different story. Lila and her family were religious, but aware of superstitions. And although Lila remembered with painful accuracy the occasions when supernatural things happened around her before, nothing had ever happened in the comfort, privacy and safety of her own home. Not with her family. Not in her bed. Not until that dreadful night. Lila was aware enough to know she was sleeping. She knew about sleep paralysis, but she never imagined it could be like that. So dangerous. So real. So painful. She was in bed, and she couldn't move. But she was acutely aware of something or someone bursting through the front door of her house. It was a big black figure, vaguely humanoid, but not entirely, and it had sharp claws that gleamed under the moonlight. It started moving into the house and up the stairs, and that was when Lila realized she had heard that noise before. It was the heavy stomping of boots on the floor of the haunted church. Whatever they had awakened or witnessed in that church, it followed her home. It was coming for her. Next, the door of Lila's bedroom slammed open. It was so violent that it sent the doorknob into the wall. Lila couldn't move, react, scream, or look away. She was completely helpless as the creature stalked forward and just flipped her entire bed over, sending her flying off the bed and crashing to the ground. Just a dream. Lila told herself when she woke up. It was just a dream. But there was just one problem. It wasn't just an extremely realistic dream. When she opened her eyes, she saw that she was lying on a heap on the ground. Her entire body ached, and the door of her bedroom was wide open, slightly off its hinges, with the doorknob stuck to the wall. It was frightening in a way that nothing else in her life ever was. That day, more scared than ever before, Lila swore that she learned her lesson, that she deeply regretted it, and that she needed it to be over. But her prayers weren't answered. It was only the beginning. To say that Lila and her friends learned the lesson might have been an exaggeration, The truth was that the haunted church remained the best attraction available to them, and they couldn't stop attending the macabre mass that called them every now and then. The group must have returned to the church about twenty more times, until the owner finally caught them and showed up with a gun determined to keep them out by force. But too many things happened in the meantime. Lila was the only one that refused to enter the church again, despite the new visitors they brought, and she also had her own kind of visitors. Even from a safe distance away, even inside the car, that church sent its demons after her. She had to look away from the red eyes glowing in the rearview mirror. She had to avoid looking over her shoulder at the human-shaped shadows sitting on the back seat. 
she had to swear to her friends that, when she saw them running away from the church, through the tall grass toward the car, she also saw a little boy running with them, pushing the grass exactly like the rest of them, and even leaving a trail. Except that nothing came out of the grass at the end. The nightmares and sleep paralysis also continued in Lila's house. Every time she had a nightmare about that demon visiting her, she would wake up and find her bedroom in some state of disarray. She'd wake up on the floor again. The door would have a crack through the middle. All her clothes would be on the floor. And something would be wrong and out of place. Nothing, she swore. Nothing compared to the excruciating fear she experienced on the night she dreamt that demon stood over her sleeping body and pushed its claw inside her chest to rip out her still-beating heart. She woke up crying and clutching her chest. No one was ever able to explain to her the bloodstains on her sheets, despite the lack of any visible wounds. Eventually, after the group stopped visiting the church, after graduation, and after everyone took different paths in life, things got easier. Sort of. Some of her friends never quite recovered from the horrors they used to chase on warm summer nights in Kentucky. The lucky ones, with some trauma in their heads, grew tired of listening to the stories and several friendships were ruined because of the disagreements on the subject of that particular church. Lila, despite everything, still considered herself one of the lucky ones. She still carried the burden of that curse with her. Even a decade later, she still felt the effects. Sometimes, she still walked into a room and felt the unmistakable evil presence of something else there with her something that clung to her ever since that night at the abandoned church. But she also had to admit that, in adulthood, and after enough therapy, she felt infinitely more grounded on her beliefs and her views of the world. Maybe she'd never be completely free, but she worked hard to leave the fear behind. Back in the dark corners of that haunted church in the middle of nowhere, this story was written by Danny Rahel Nieto and narrated by me, James Deverell. Thank you for listening to this story. If you enjoyed my storytelling, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more Tales of High Strangeness. I started this podcast off the back of my YouTube channel by the same name, which formerly went by Mr. Sinister. You can check out my older stories, which are still available on that channel. For short-form content, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook via the handle at Tales of High Strangeness. For exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content plus more, check out my Patreon account. If you, or anyone else you know, has a story about anything related to high strangeness, please reach out to me with a brief description to stories at daredeverall.com. I don't need you to write the whole story, so you don't need to worry about being an English major. We'll be doing all the writing. You'll just need to be willing to jump on a call with me so we can have a chat and I can get the whole story. Thanks again for listening.